I'm joined now by Esme Aronser, Chief Exec of Aprior Credence, colleague, trusted advisor in the reputational risk space. Esme, we've worked on a number of cyber incidents together, but you certainly have the edge over me, I think, given your corporate background in terms of real-life advisory, hands-on experience in that space. When we look, as we do, at the risk registers of the top 40 companies around the world every year, we're seeing increasingly cyber is right up there, top three across that whole spectrum, every sector out there. And I had a case of a listed commodity sort of mining space client a couple of weeks ago saying, that's not a risk we're going to be preparing for. We're not a data-rich kind of company. Is that a sort of a little bit of a naive approach? Are there any sectors that are immune from this or should everyone be preparing building resilience around cyber breaches, data leaks and the like? Hi, it's great to be here again today on the Appear podcast. I do think it is a bit of a naive approach not to be preparing for a cyber breach and not only just instinctively and because of the experience, but we have done research at Appear Credence on the risk registers of the JSC listed, the New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, and cybercrime or, 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 or the possibility of a, a, a cyber breach is high up there. And there are probably as many reports, research reports done by very reputable institutions on cyber breaches. So there are probably as many reports as there are actual cyber breaches. Our experience and these reports um, and the research on the stock exchanges suggest that there is a devastating increase in cybersecurity breaches across major organizations. And COVID-19, with all its trials and triumphs, have only exacerbated the threat of cybersecurity concerns for companies because they've had to establish mobile or remote work teams and having to work off a cloud. So it's been, while I won't suggest open season, but additional opportunities for threat actors or hackers or cyber criminals to reach vulnerabilities in, in systems. But there's also a pre-COVID what we were seeing, certainly, and, and the research bears it out, that there was an increasing amount of large-scale, well-publicized breaches suggest that not only are the number of breaches going up, the security breaches going up, but they're increasing in severity. The data breaches expose not only the sensitive information that often leaves clients or users at risk for identity theft, but they're ruining companies' reputations and almost always leave the company liable for compliance violations and legal action. And I guess the reason you and I are so interested and have worked so hard these past couple of years with clients around cyber breaches and we get called in is that uh, there's a Deloitte study, I think it was in 2018, that, that found that eight out of 11 lessons learned from a cyber crisis are related to suboptimal communication. Apria Credence would submit that if it is not, it certainly should be on every company's risk register. But also, they're not only putting in place technical resolves for a cyber breach, but putting in place reputation resilience measures for a cyber breach. Often we get clients, I mean, general, not just cyber breaches, but any range of crisis preparedness saying, Every single crisis is different. There's actually no point in preparing because everyone is going to throw in different dynamics, different challenges. We've got a very experienced, very dynamic leadership team. We'll take care of it when it happens. Are there actual 
risk mitigation interventions that companies, organizations can put in place well before it hits the proverbial fan? Absolutely. And I think that's where we have developed up some unique capability as, as Aprio Credence. So what can a company do to manage the, the reputation impact? What you must remember is that while a cyber crisis is driven by technology, at the heart, they are very human affairs. So when you get the stakeholder communications process wrong with a poorly timed piece of communication, or you transgress that delicate balance between transparency and strategic disclosure, where the organization, as skilled as they are, sometimes breach, sometimes err on the side of communicating too much about the impact on the organization and too little on the people affected by the the incident. An enterprise can go very quickly from being perceived as a victim of a cyber attack to being labeled as a villain. So what are those things that we submit that organization? Um, And this is an Aprio Credence's experience. The number one thing we would suggest is when you're not in the middle of a cyber crisis, invest in a good cyber playbook. It's a dynamic document. Don't let it gather dust. While a dedicated and communication cyber crisis communications playbook is not perhaps a silver bullet, It does help you navigate. And we've seen that we've been there in the heat of the moment. So from our experience, it's a massively important part of a response toolkit, which has templates, which has checklists, which has stakeholder matrices. They thin in size, they thicken value, they present it in a reader-friendly, quick navigation design, and you keep them up to date. And just uh, as an aside, they've got to be kept in hard copy as well, because very often in a cyber breach, your entire system goes offline and you cannot navigate or you cannot access electronic documents. So that document has got to be off-site in a place where everybody knows where it can be accessed in, in a cyber attack, in case all your systems and email and remote access goes down. You reference empirical research that refers to you know, eight out of 11 perhaps missteps, mm. uh, responses that haven't been optimal, have related to communication. It's a delicate balance, as, as yes. you refer to it. The implementation or the full implementation of POPI and the Protection of Personal Information Act in, what, 1st of July this year is yes. going to change the ball game because suddenly it's going to be mandatory to report to the regulator yeah, the breach of, of personal data. How is that going to impact timelines, you know, preventing companies sitting on, on an incident and saying we'll just try and sit it out? Is that going to change the ball game when it comes to communication? It's significantly going to change the ball game because it's going to take out the choice that company has. You're going, as you say, you're going to be obliged by the law, by the Protection of Personal Information Act, to communicate a cyber breach and the extent of that cyber breach to your regulator and or your customer. So while before we've certainly been called in in the aftermath of, of some crises where it emerges that a client has sat on the knowledge of a cyber breach for four months and it only emerged after a leak, that choice is going to be taken out of the hands. It is how and what you're able to communicate But whether you communicate, I would suggest you certainly have to. Let me use an example, Alan. So so there was a credit bureau, a global credit bureau, 
whose systems had been breached in a in a particular uh, company. It then emerged that up to 24,000 pieces of client data had been compromised, and the information and data of about 800,000 clients' data had been breached by cyber criminals. It then emerged that they had known about this for four months. So what this change in legislation is going to do, it's going to require, if not immediate, disclosure to your regulators and stakeholders a lot sooner. One of the simple things, but with profound impacts, is just how you label a cyber incident. We've certainly seen when it strikes that companies, organizations go into almost a state of inertia, they get some advice, often legal, and we don't want to do the lawyers any disservice here that you can't even refer to this as a breach. <clears throat> and we get sort of often gobbledygook. It's, you know, we've, we've experienced a technical hiccup. We've experienced a, a, a glitch. And then at the same time, it's being reported that there have been threat actors and it certainly has been a criminal act here. That sort of leads to a breach of trust. That certainly sounds like something you can prepare well in advance, what we are going to call it. Is that something that you'd advise companies? It's a, it's a small thing, but with big impacts that they can start looking at now, how we'd reference it, how we'd label it. We've developed what I believe is, is probably a global best of breed cyber crisis communications playbook. And one of the first things we talk about is get the semantics right from the start. I would suggest it's critically important from the very first communications about the issue is what the, the enterprise uses or the words that the enterprise uses to describe it. So you've got to use credible, authentic semantics to describe the incident as known or as best you can at the time. You also then want the media and other commentators to use that same semantics to characterize and describe the incident. Because when you describe the incident language that is too brief or that is too vague or euphemistic, you run the risk of being cynically labeled as dishonest, as being disingenuous or evasive. So it reminds me, um, and you know about this because you're a runner, is the Garmin example. People are users of the Garmin application or the fitness app. Many months ago, I think it was in last year, the app just went down. People not able to, to track their, their performance, their fitness regimes. And in the media, it was starting to be reported that Garmin had been the victim of a ransomware attack, which had crippled many of the company's products and services. There were media reports about the attack. There was speculation about the scope of the attack, who the threat actors or the hackers were that were involved, the size of the ransom demanded. But as a client of Garmin, you were actually receiving a very different message. So Garmin was out there telling its clients, we're down for maintenance. We check back shortly. We're currently experiencing an outage that affects Garmin.com and Garmin Connect. The outage also affects our call centers. So now you're, you're reading as an informed consumer, and, and we've got to um, assume our consumers are more informed because of access to information these days. So now you're telling me you're down for maintenance, but the media is saying you've been the victim of a severe ransomware attack. You're calling it an outage, and people are saying it is a ransom attack. What is the truth? And that resulted in, in a dividend work on it, but what we believe would have been quite a significant trust deficit. So that's why getting the semantics right on what you call it um, and not downplaying it through your semantics is critically important. The cost of getting it wrong, we've seen 
once again, lots of empirical research saying even for small companies, 500 employees or less, typical average cost to deal with a cyber incident somewhere between two and three million dollars, yes. you know, 30 million rand upwards. The cost of building resilience, playbooks, simulations, getting your crisis leadership teams prepared is a fractional of that. Surely the return on investment must make it a a no-brainer. Invest in preparation ahead of a potential incident. Alan, you know, our methodology at Aprio Credence, we refer to it as ARMA, and it's a six-step approach to ensuring proactive resilience. So as you say, the investment in a robust armor reputation resilience exercise is far greater than the long-term reputation damage. So earlier I referenced a credit bureau who'd had been victim to a cyber uh, breach. So they most certainly have fixed the technical vulnerabilities in their system that resulted from that um, a breach. But the cost of preparing or of repairing um, and the trust deficit that came with that cyber breach and the way that they communicated it is going to be the work for years to come of that leadership team. Yes, I agree with you. There's a financial cost attached to the technical cyber breach, but the financial cost in a loss of trust um, related to a cyber breach is far greater than some proactive resilience measures. And as we know, that sort of duration to try and restore a damaged uh, reputation can be typically three years upwards if you don't get it right from the start. That's Esme Aronsa, Chief Exec of Aprio Credence. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for joining and sharing with us. Thank you for listening to Aprio Voice, a podcast from the reputation, management and strategic communications professionals at the Aprio Group. If you would like to find out more about the work we do, visit aprio.co.za. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.